Hey, what's up, guys? Chad Hermanson here with Mental Edge Training Coach. Today, I'm going to be chatting with Rob Shabansky. Rob is a former opponent of mine here in Las Vegas, Nevada. He went to Bishop Gorman. So we were big rivals going through high school. He went to the University of Arizona to play his college ball and also went on to play pro ball for a few years and is now the current head coach at Gateway Community College in Arizona. So we're going to talk about Rob, talk about his experiences, talk about the mental game, what he does as a coach. So enjoy this conversation with Rob Shabansky. Hey, Rob, what's going on, man? Not much, Chad. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So we, we, we briefly spoke for a few seconds about how you're trying to, we're, we're in the second week. You're, how many weeks are you in into school right now being the head coach at Gateway? So th this is essentially our, our, this will be the end of our second full week. So going into it, uh, class has just started. Obviously we're in a completely different mode than what we've, what we've been in. Uh, we have very limited classes on campus right now and it's really like our nursing. So on Mondays, I get to work our nursing help, help desk which I know nothing about the nursing program, so it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, but all of, our, all of our kids and everybody who's in regular classes, it's all online. You know, some of them are um, specific times and days. Uh, other ones are just on their own time. So for new to college, some people, it's, uh, I'm trying to keep my thumb on a lot of guys right now. Yeah, is that, are you finding it with, because uh, you're at a two-year school, a junior college, are you finding that the, the incoming freshmen are having a bit harder time than say the now sophomores? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, really, it just starts with the simplest things. I mean, where do I get my books? How do I do this? Uh, where's, you know, what is Canvas? And we, we really try and take them through an orientation all together and show them kind of the resources, where their stuff's at, where they need to go. Um, but then they'll, they'll even get confused on that because there, there's a couple different systems they have to run while they're here. Like Canvas is what they use to do all their homework and communicate with their teachers. Then they have their student center, which shows them all of like their, their emails, uh, their class schedules, what they owe, you know, just kind of those things. But what they don't realize when they log in at first, it only shows your week. And so kids will call immediately, coach, I'm only in two classes. Well, no, it, that's just for this week. Just click on my class schedule, it will show you all your classes. So that's that one I probably answer more more than any other question, without a doubt. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. I know um, I got four kids. They're all they're all home right now. My oldest just moved back in. She's a, a sophomore at the junior college here and she has all online classes. Um, they, they seem to be managing, you know, the first week was, you know, let's just kind of see how this works. Uh, we're now almost done with the second week. And things seem to be going a little bit smoother, but man, it's they're, they're so they're getting into a routine, right? They kind of each have their own desk and doing their thing. And I know some kids are also able to go. I think Bishop Gorman, uh, who's a private school, they're able to go do uh, and have the choice to go to school or not uh, at, at this time. So yeah, it's, it's just a lot of adjustments for folks and we're still trying to figure it out. Uh, what's going on? So at the time of this recording, where uh, September just started, are you guys in Arizona open? You know, is it pretty open out there? Or is it still pretty? Re is it restricted? You know, you know as far as day-to-day -day life goes, it, it's pretty open. There's businesses that are more and more businesses are starting to open up. 
Um, obviously, we have a pretty famous fight with uh, gyms and the governor down here right now, trying to get those open, open back up. And some of them have, some haven't. Um, you know, but for the most part, it's semi-normal. You can go into a restaurant, you can go sit down and eat, you can do those things. Now, I, I personally haven't done that yet. Um, <laughs> I'm still going to pick everything up if I go go get something. But, um, you know, there's still a ton of tournaments going on down here. Baseball's going, soccer's going. Uh, I know softball's starting to do some stuff. Um, that part of it, you know, on some of the, you know, non-collegial side, I mean, I drive by Pinnacle High School every day. Football's practicing. They're getting ready to start their season in October for high school. Um, and, and it's very different. I mean, obviously, Maricopa County is a big place. Um, but, you know, a lot of the Scottsdale school districts, it's still online classes. And you drive all the way out to Queen Creek, they threw everybody back in class. So we have wide varying um, decisions that are being made no matter where, where you go. So it just kind of just depends on where you're at. Yeah, it's a little frustrating out here in Nevada and Las Vegas. We have a, a governor that wants to just keep, kind of keep everything shut, is very limited um, on what we're able to do. I think he's also, we already, we already know for sure we have 90 days of online school. Um, that's, that's already kind of set in stone. Um, but football has been pushed back like to winter. You know, everything's been kind of pushed back. The baseball season is going to not start, I think, until April. So it's only going to be about six weeks. So it's, it's going to be a rough ride for um, some kids. But I know that um, there's some scout ball going on, fall stuff. You know, we're not even sure if we're allowed parents to show up. They can show up at games here. Yeah. So it's pretty frustrating. And it, I know it's frustrating for college coaches that are trying to get out there, recruit. Um, are you at the junior college level able to do anything right now? Because I know Division One and NCAA is not. Yeah, we, we actually are. Uh, this summer was the first time we've ever had a quote-unquote dead period. We've never had that before in junior college. Um, you know, and they lifted it, you know, right in the middle of June or so. We can go out and start watching some kids. And uh, no restrictions have been put on us since then. And, and yeah, I mean, there's, there's – shoot, there's a tournament going on this weekend. I think there's two next weekend. Uh, there's a high school fall league going on right now. I mean, and some of them are being played on high school campuses. Um, and so it, it, it's definitely, it's definitely different. Like I said, it, it's, it's frustrating. Um, you know, it's frustrating for us right now. We can't practice. We can't do anything uh, until January. Uh, but we're going out to recruit and trying to find some things. And yet we don't even know what we truly have right now. Um, you know, for us. And so it's a, it's a waiting, waiting game. And, and I think the biggest thing for me is I don't have a routine right now. Mm -hmm. um, and for so long, I've been used to just being in an office for about three to four hours a day and then head out to the field. And now I'm stuck, I'm, you know, staring at my laptop for, you know, <laughs> eight to 10 hours a day. So I think at the end of this, I'm definitely going to need some uh, new glasses so I can <laughs> see yeah. better. But, but like, yeah, I was on a three and a half hour conference meeting the other day and when I got off I had a headache mm -hmm. just staring at the screen I was like I can't do this anymore yeah <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta I gotta look at something else I gotta get away I gotta go walk and do something yeah absolutely yeah it's definitely kind of screwed up some routines from a lot of people so I want to kind of dive into we're going to get back into your uh your playing career since we're kind of talking about gateway so tell us about gateway because at the junior college level as an example, here in Las Vegas, we have one. We have CSN um, for baseball players to go play at. Um, that athletic department is expanding. We're getting more sports in there. Um, but you're out in the Phoenix area where there's a lot more options. Tell us about the options out in Arizona. 
Yeah, um, a ton more. You know, when I first came here, that, that kind of shocked me how many junior colleges are out here. But uh, in, in Arizona alone, we have 17 junior colleges that have some form of sports. We have 14 with baseball. We have actually eight in, inside of Maricopa County that have baseball and six outside of Maricopa County. So, you know, your Yavapais and your Central Arizonas, Eastern Arizonas, Arizona Western, Cochise, um, Pima, you know, down in Tucson, uh, we all have baseball. So, uh, and for years, we were very limited on four-year schools. It was almost the exact opposite, where we had, we had three Division One schools, well, three four-year schools that had baseball, because Grand Canyon was Division Two for a little while. Uh, but we had three Division One schools, and that was it. Yeah. Uh, recently, within the last five, five years, we now have five NAIA schools that have baseball programs. So there's a lot of options here, a lot of colleges, um, and just kind of depending on what you're looking for, probably something can fit your need, you know, to be quite honest. And Arizona, you know, and the Southwest and any, anywhere that's warm, kids want to come play sports here. You know, you don't have to worry about weather. I mean, the worst part of the, about the weather is it's too hot. You know, yeah. I think, you know, I think today is going to be like 113 degrees. Um, you know, sounds amazing. But, right. And I'd rather do that than be in, you know, snow and, and, you know, 45, you know, 40 degrees somewhere in wind and, and trying, trying to get loose. Like right. I, I'd rather sweat than be, be shivering. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's when you go up, uh, start going up North a little bit. Um, you, you've been 105 plus, you're kind of used to that summer heat, but then you get up and, um, you get into this maybe the winter and you go to a showcase. I don't know. Let's say in Colorado, you know, or something right. where it's it's pretty cold and chilly. You're like, I can handle this for two, three, four days, and then I can't wait to get out of here. You know, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and and me, you know, gr growing up in in Las Vegas, um, I, I've been in in Colorado in some of those areas when it's snow and ice. Not a good driver on it. Yeah, no, uh, it's just just not baseball weather, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> no doubt. So, and then also, too, I don't think people realize that there's actually two separate divisions. Uh, yeah. Junior college one and two. T tell us about that. Yeah. So we have, uh, you know, the NJCA is just like the NCAA. So we have divisions one, two, and three. So in Arizona alone, we have divisions one and two. So um, it's a different dynamic for sure. Uh, I, I really like the dynamic of it between one and two because at the end of the, at the, end of the year, we have a chance to send two teams to two different World Series you know, and bring a lot of recognition back to Arizona itself. Um, so our, you know, our NJCA Division Ones are basically all the non-Maricopa schools with the exception of South Mountain Community College. So you can declare if you want to play Division One or Division II. Uh, the rest of us in, the, in Maricopa County are all Division II. Uh, really, kind of the main difference is, you know, we don't have dorms uh, and we can't, we can't scholarship uh, out-of-state students and we can't offer them room and board. You know, so those... Now, the out-of-state thing, that's a Maricopa County thing. Uh, you know, the national office or national rule says we, we could scholarship an out-of-state kid, uh, but it's just Maricopa County that says you can only scholarship Arizona residents, which even when I first got into this job, uh, at first it was only Maricopa County residents. Okay. So, so it was a huge difference for us to go to all Arizona uh, so we can scholarship a kid from Tucson or Yuma or wherever they may be from you know, to give them a chance and pay for some of their education. Okay. And is it, um, are you finding, because from a recruiting standpoint, Gateway is certainly a little bit different um, where you actually have your facilities of on-school campus and then your baseball field away. Uh, you play at the old Gene Autry Angels Stadium spring training facility. Yep. 
what is that like when you're talking to a recruit? Is that a, is that a, is that a factor for you guys at all? You know what? You know, 10 years ago, yes, it was. It was a huge factor and, and bad in a negative way. Mm-hmm. We were the only school, you know, really in Arizona that didn't have a facility on campus. And so it was a really foreign idea for kids to come to our program, uh, come to school on our campus, which our campus is located kind of down by the airport. We're about 10 minutes from Arizona State University. Um, and then drive another 15 minutes to go to practice or jump in a van and then drive home. Um, and then once U of A and ASU moved their facilities off campus, that idea wasn't so foreign. Um, and to be completely honest, I really enjoy it being off campus, you know, which is weird as it sounds, but I had a little bit of that growing up with, you know, going to Bishop Gorman and our field was off campus. Uh, so it wasn't a completely foreign idea to me. Um, but in reality, you know, we drive 15 minutes, get to Gene Autry, uh, City of Mesa, which does an outstanding job. They do all of our field work for us. You know, they drag it, they cut the grass, they, they you know, do the mouths, they do the batter's boxes, they do everything for us. All we have to do is put our stuff out and mm-hmm. take it off, and then we'll drive back. So, you know, I'd rather do that than Let's do it hours the there. <laughs> right. So <laughs> to me, it's well worth time. it. Yeah. So, you know, to get out there and have someone do it for us and we don't have to do it, at, you know, after every practice, after every game, um, really what these guys don't understand when they're here is like they're being treated like you know you know you know four-year college programs you know or you know power five programs for sure and and pro ball and things like that because everyone's doing something for them you know and so you know really just the idea of being off campus to me from a mentality standpoint is a huge separator because once we leave campus now we're just doing baseball you know there's no distraction uh for me uh, I'm our athletic director. I, how I'm the athletic director, I have no idea. Um, and, the, and the head baseball coach. So once I get out there, my phone goes in my bag. No one can drag me into a meeting. And for, for my mental clarity too, like it's a, it's a really good separator. That's interesting. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty cool because you have, I know, again, an example, because it's so local CSN. I know there's players all over the field that have to you know, usually a coach is dragging the field, but the, all the pitchers, they're working that mound. Um, you know, everyone's kind of doing their thing. So that's, that's actually a really good point. And just another example of it's how you, you view it, right? It's your attitude right. towards it and how you're going to look at it rather than, oh, man, I got I to gotta drive 15 minutes every day to the field where you can get that. You know, maybe you need that 15-minute drive uh, to just get your mindset ready to practice, you know, or – you know, things like that, or take those phone calls on the way to practice um, where you can get some work done. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and, you know, and and I'm, and I don't live very close to our campus either. You know, I I probably live 35, 40 minutes away. Um, And to me, I, you know, and when I first started this job, I lived about 10 minutes away from campus. And I, I will say one thing when, if we had a bad game or stuff like this, especially when I was a young coach, uh, you know, I put my stuff down, do whatever I need to do in the office, drive home. Well, 10 minutes later, I'm walking in the door. I still might be frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now with a 35, 40 minute drive, which everyone thinks I'm crazy, um, you know, driving home, like I'm able to make calls. I'm able to kind of just decompress, relax a little bit. And when I'm home, I'm home. Yeah. Um, you know, so for me, that, that was something I noticed right when I first moved. I was like, I was like, at first I was like, man, this is kind of a long drive. Um, you know, I'll get through it, whatever. Uh, and then I just started to realize like, Hey, like, this is my time to kind of, if I need to 
think about something or analyze something or make some phone calls or, or whatever, I can decompress and then by the time I'm home, I'm home and, and then that's it. So yeah. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy both perspectives. Um, and like you said, I mean, you know, if I, I know how the facility is a CSN, like you could be walked from class going, you could have just found out you, you bombed a test or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you change and you're running out to the field and your thoughts are and focus might still be on that. Um, and, and I'm not saying 15 minutes cures all, but if you're able to use that time productively, I think it can help, you know, to be more productive once you get to practice or once you're, you're getting to where you need to go. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. And so how long have you been coaching at Gateway now? Oof. So uh, this will be the start of my 16th year. Wow. So I was, a, I was an assistant coach the first two and a half, and then I, then I took over, you know, halfway through that third year. And, and, uh, and I've been here ever since, which um, surprisingly, you know, you know, the funny thing is, is I never wanted to be a head coach, ever. Didn't want to do it. Um, and I'll never, I'll never forget the process of it because I knew our head coach at the time, Victor Solis, who's now the head coach of Paradise Valley. He's been there for a while. Um, you know, he, he told me he was applying for that job at Paradise Valley and thought he was going to get it. My whole plan was I was just going to go with him because mm-hmm. where Paradise Valley is, is about 10 minutes from my house now. <laughs> so I was like, perfect. Right. Um, and at the time, you know, as an assistant coach in Maricopa County, you don't make any money. I mean, you really don't. You can't make a living off it. So I was selling mortgages actually really liked it. Didn't have to be in an office, you know, which was good for me. Um, and, and right during that time, the housing market crashed and I was making no money. Um, but I remember our athletic director at the time, he, he asked me at a game before a game one day, he's like, do you want to be a head coach? I go, no. And he's like, are you serious? I'm like, I'm dead serious. Yeah. He's like, why not? I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to have to deal with travel. I don't want to deal with teachers. I don't want to deal with grades. I don't have to deal with budget. I don't, I'm like, I just, I'm here for baseball. That's it. And he's like, okay. And then, so we found out, you know, Victor got the job at Paradise Valley. And, and so he calls me, he's like, Hey, you got the job, you know, we take over. And I said, I'm like, absolutely. I'll take over for the rest of the year. I go, but just FYI, my full plan is I'm, I'm leaving after the, after the year. And he's like, are you sure? I was like, I go, look, I'll let you know in April. I said, I'll let you know in April. And then again, I was like, uh, I'm not getting a paycheck, you know, from mortgages right now. Um, I was like, I guess I'll stay on. <laughs> you know, I guess I'll stay on. I, I've been here ever since. And you're, you're, my, you were saying I'm gonna go be do full mortgages full time. Was that the plan originally? Yeah, I, I you know, because I moved here. Yeah, I, I just, I moved here, you know, and you know, had a job, and like I said, I was doing mortgages. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I thought, you know, for the most part, I didn't have to be tied down into an office. I could kind of float from here to there, and you know, do things I wanted to do still. And, and I just really, I really enjoyed being an assistant coach. I didn't have any plans on being a head coach. Um, I just, I liked that factor of just being coaching baseball. And like I said, my, my full-time plan was I'll keep doing mortgages. I'll go over to Paradise Valley with Vic, with Vic and, uh, and I'll be his assistant coach over there too. You know, cause Vic and I have a long relationship. He was one of my, my coaches when I was at university of Arizona. So, um, he kind of got me wrapped up or tied up into this thing. And um, yeah, basically <laughs> 14 years, 15 years later, I'm still here. And so, now you're the AD. Crazy. Yeah. And somehow I'm the AD. Yeah. It's funny how life works out sometimes, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> because, you know, once, once I was done with baseball or playing baseball, I was like, ah, you know, I, I'm done with it. I'm good. I'll do some lessons here and there. Um, 
you know, never in a million years did I ever think that I would get into being at my job for sure. Mm-hmm. That's great though. So it's, it's another great example of life can kind of just take you down some roads. Maybe you don't expect, um, let's do some uh, rewinding. Let's go all the way back okay. to kind of where you and I met is when we were opponents facing each other. Um, you're at Bishop Gorman at one of the top schools in the, in the state. And, and we started to, uh, kind of have some battles, I guess you could say. Absolutely. Uh, being at Green Valley and, and state championships, things like that. Um, any stories or anything that you remember about our, our times together way back in the day? Yeah, I, I remember quite a few, um, <laughs> you know, but, you know, one, you know, I, I think I may as a player, and I don't know, and, and I'm kind of just throwing it out there, out to the universe right now, and, and I could just be, you know, making this up. I may have the most career losses in state championship games in Nevada state history. Um, you know, my, my first two years, I went to Bonanza high school and we're in the state championship, you know, my freshman year, uh, I pit, I actually came in relief in the state championship game and, and got pulled. We lost to, uh, Carson city with, uh, who Nate Yeske pitched for who's now the, the pitch coach university of Arizona. Um, and that was like the last time a North team had won the state title for like 20 plus or 30 years almost um, at that point in time. And then my next year uh, we get back to the state championship and we lose to green Valley. Um, you know, and then my junior year, I transfer over to, to Bishop Gorman. Uh, and, and so, and, and I'll never forget, we went to the, we're obviously green Valley was probably only two, three years old at the time uh, and became really, really good. I mean, you know, I remember Tom LaRosa, who was a big time arm. I remember seeing 90 for the first time. Like that was yeah. huge. Yeah. I was like, this guy's really good. Uh, and, and some of the other guys you guys had there, Chad Stevenson behind the plate and obviously yourself and Kevin Everwine and, you know, Nick Day uh, and his brother, Chris and, all, you know, really, really good teams. And, and, you know, Bishop Moore, we were really good too. Um, and I remember the zone tournament, you know, playing against you guys and, you know, we ended up winning a, a tight game. And we both go to state and uh, we get into the state championship and you guys have to beat us twice. And uh, I hadn't pitched since I pitched against you guys in zone. So I remember starting game one, I think I got into about three innings and might've given up 10 or 12 runs at that point in time. Uh, I remember coming off and I, I told coach Chambers, Tim Chambers at the time, I was like, Hey, pull me, just pull me right now and I'll start game two. And he's like, okay. And mm-hmm. so, did it you know we lose I, I think it was like 20 20 something to one or some some crazy score um and so I start game two and it was pretty tight for about four innings and you know and I'm gonna throw Joe Lombardo under the bus here a little bit um <laughs> makes his only air of the season if I if I remember correctly like in the fourth and we were winning like three to one three to two at the time and then the floodgates opened I don't think I, I got another out um and we lost I don't know 20 something to four or some craziness so uh and you guys win the state championship um you know and, and i will say that that was that was tough that was that was tough to give up for almost 50 runs in a state championship <laughs> um you know and then i remember going into our senior years i i think our senior years was maybe the most anticipated you know to come back uh you know we had got uh, uh jeff martin who transferred in for us who, who obviously was a really really good arm uh I think played with you, got drafted with you, or 
no, he moved over to Pittsburgh later. He got drafted by the Royals in the eighth round of high school. Uh, and, you know, Justin Kay, who got drafted by the Mariners, um, you know, and then myself, you know, and then we had some other guys too that pitched, like Richie Stevens, who, who was pretty good. Um, you know, and then we got into the zone tournament and we got knocked out. Um, and so it was my only time, my senior year of high school, only time I didn't get a chance to go to state tournament and or play in the state championship game that I felt like was our best team. Um, yeah. But that was a good year. You know, 95 in Las Vegas, uh, baseball-wise, was really, really good. Um, I mean, obviously yourself, you know, getting drafted in the first round. I believe, you know, I believe Kevin, Kevin Eberlein got drafted that year too. Um, obviously, we had some guys like Jeff Martin and, um, you know, Justin Kay and myself all got drafted. I remember um, um, Ryan Clark um, got drafted too. Uh, we had a lot of guys drafted that year. I, I, it was really, really competitive. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and I think the, sure. Yeah, and I think the crazy thing, what, what's so different then to now, if you look at that, we lived and breathed high school. High school was our thing. Uh, we didn't have all the perfect game, Crossbook Wire, USA Baseball tournaments, you know, PG, you know, or the, you know, PBR events. We didn't have those things. So we went right from that to Legion and playing 60 games in Legion yeah. and having battles. So I think what people probably didn't realize is not only did we play, play each other probably, I don't know, four or five times in the high school season, but then we play another seven, eight, nine, ten times against each other in summer ball. Yep. You know, and so there's a lot of battles. I mean, you know, it was all, uh, you know, I think we all knew each other really well from a, a playing perspective. And, and we were all pretty decent friends at the end of it. Um, you know, but a lot of fun, a lot of fun during that time. And um, he said it, it was uh, it was a blast. And then we said then we had some rare opportunities to play together, you know, with uh you know, the senior fall classic at the time when it was out, going down with LVBA. And, and then, like we talked about earlier, going to uh, California with Mike Bailly and, and playing in, uh, just a little Connie Mack deal, just throwing it together. And I think we won it the one year, so. Yeah. No, it's, it, it's interesting you mentioned that how often we played against each other. And it was kind of what I've noticed with, and I'm pretty sure my guess is anyway, that other states, like, you know, Vegas is a pretty tight-knit community in regards to baseball. Um, and we're all we're all friends now but like when we were out competing back in high school like we wanted to tear each other's heads off right? we, we, we were out there competing we we're out there to win and to do whatever we can you know we had Tim Chambers you had Roger Fairless um, all these you know I, I want to say egos but in a way egos of as a head coach at this level that how competitive it was because back then what there's maybe 10 to 15 schools um, so you just played each other a lot more. Yeah. Right. So I know the, the, some, there's a rivalry between not only the school, but then the coach. And then if there was any, something going on there, then that kind of reflected on the players and it, it was just a battle, you know, and I, you kind of wonder like, is that lost a little bit nowadays? Do you see that at all? I think so. You know, I, I think so because, you know, like you said, you know, we didn't have these club teams and travel teams where we played together a lot. He said, I, I remember, you know, when we got that opportunity to go to California or we got the opportunity to come to, to Arizona and play in the Fall Classic, that was like our only time ever playing with each other. And it was very brief. And I remember just kind of like, I remember a little bit like walking on eggshells, like, all right, you know, we, we kind of get after it when we play each other. Um, do we like each other or are we, you know, what is this, you know? So it, it was very different. I mean, we all talked and did those things, but it was like, we still rep, you know, we represented Bishop Gorman. You represented Green Valley. Um, you know, nowadays you see these kids and they play on all these club teams. So 
now I think it's the opposite where they live and breathe with club teams because they play more games with them. And then you start to see these super club teams and they start bringing the best players and they play together. They play with each other more often than they do in high school. You know, so the high school, I feel like, I think it it gets competitive when you get to the the playoff times and things like that. But regular season, you know, guys are, you know, high five inch taking in, you know, well, pre COVID they're doing that, Um, (laughs) you know, doing those things and just super tight knit and they're on other teams. And, and I just remember specifically, it was like, Hey, before the game, you don't talk to the other team. You know, that's, that's part of the deal. Like they're trying to beat you. You're trying to beat them. They're not your friends right now. And, uh, and we competed. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we all exchanged words. I'm sure we didn't like each other at times, but it was all in reference to on the field stuff. Um, you know, but nowadays everybody's, they're all friends. You don't see that, that, kind of rivalries and you know rivalries in a good way and like you said with coach Fairless who was an amazing coach in in Nevada sports history I mean the amount of big leaguers he had from Valley High School and Green Valley and and draft picks and you know division one players and and kids I mean always had great programs always had great teams and then then yeah you throw in a Tim Chambers who was young and kind of fiery uh and then you mix in some of these other coaches that were fiery too I mean it was like like I said it was quite it's quite a bit different than nowadays like I said because they have the opportunity to play together more than they, than we ever did, you know, that they, re, they represent different things a little bit. Yeah. I still remember, you know, we lost Tim Chambers, uh, well, coming up probably close to two years now, roughly. Um, I remember a picture and you may too, is the Las Vegas review journal. And there was a play at home plate. And I, I believe that it was uh, a very important part of the game. You know, seventy high school game is probably around the sixth inning. But there was a play where the player was called out at home plate. Um, he, Tim Chambers was coaching third base. And he jumped up. So the guy was out, and he jumped up so high. You know, you, you would think, like, <laughs> Tim could jump that high, right? And yeah. that was the snapshot of, of uh, Tim Chambers jumping in the air at this significant part of the game gets kicked out of the game, you know, just goes nuts. You know, that's, that's a vivid image I have of, of coach Timmy. And, um, you know, obviously we miss him and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. what was, what was Chambers like for you at, at Gorman? Oh, that, that, it was definitely a change of pace. That's for sure. Um, you know, he said, so when I, when I was over there, so I was 16, he was 12 years older than me. So he's 28 years old. He'd already been the head coach at Gorman for a couple of years now. So I think he took over at, you know, uh, you know, 26, something like that. And he was fiery to say the least. I mean, he was, he'd do anything for you. Don't get me wrong. Like I remember I didn't have a car and he just happened to live further West of me and he would pick me up to school just so I can get there on time. Uh, You know, those are things that I remember, but at the same time, he could be the first person to just absolutely just snap on us. Um, I'll never forget it. We, he used to send us on basically like these two mile runs and we'd have to go to the practice at this park by, by Bishop Gorman. And we were supposed to run, you know, I, I forget the streets that we had to run, but, but coming back up there and um, he found out some of us had cut the run. We, we had cheated the run. So we're like, okay. So he gets over to this park and we're out in center field and he gets us down on a knee and he's acting all calm and cool. Kind of like he did. And we're like, all right. And then he just, he has his fungo and I swear to you, I, that he took his fungo and it looked like he threw it over the pitcher's mound from out in center. 
Like it just, <laughs> that's how far it looked. And he just starts screaming at us and like, so, like screaming at us so much. Like I didn't even know how to answer something. So like, it was just like, I was so scared. And, and I'll never forget one of our school administrators had to drive over to the park because someone at the middle school uh, was about to call the cops because she, she thought that he was going to like beat us all. Right. Uh, right. And so, you know, I, and like, I'll never forget that. I was like, holy cow. Like, like I better do what he tells me to do or else like, I'm going to, this is going to be a long couple of years here. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I came to expect it. And, you know, at the end of it, it, it made me a little bit tougher than what I thought. I, you know, he'd be the first person to call you out. That's for sure. He didn't hold back. He told you what he thought. Uh, he told you, you know, his feelings on, on things and it didn't matter. And, and, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, I knew he still loved us and he cared about us. Uh, but there's just some days where I was like, holy cow. Um, but he also, he always, he also just always had your back. I mean, he was that guy, like I said, he's at home play, jumping up and down, you know, screaming, uh, doing things like that. Like he said, he, uh, he definitely didn't back down from anything. That's for sure. Yeah. It seems like you mentioned, I got tougher, you know, it seems like that's when, what high school is kind of for, you know, you're kind of, you, I came into as freshman as a 14 year old, you know, some kids are 14, 15 years old. And, uh, you, you think you're kind of tough at that point, but you, you, you really, you're not right. And you kind of get into, you start doing things that are hard, you know, and you're like, man, this is, so it kind of tests you. Right. And, and I think that's what a lot of high school coaches do. I know that's what fearless did. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to get Roger on here at some point. Um, I'd love that. Yeah. So just to kind of talk about stuff in high school, but yeah, I mean, they would, they would essentially, you know, kind of beat us up, not only physically, but he, mentally and emotionally. And it's kind of the first time that we, as a high school kid, get that, you know, maybe we're getting that maybe from a parent at home. You know, a lot of, a lot of parents, I think these days are pretty even keel and they, they know like that's probably not the best way to do things. Um, plus you can get in trouble. <laughs> you right, know, a right. lot of different things now. So um, sometimes coaches have to take that reign. And I think that's what coaches did when we were in high school. And we started to kind of, in a way, see what we're made of and what we can handle, um, you know, if we're throwing up at practices because it's so hard, you know, and all the running right. you have to do. So it's interesting. No, it's – do you um, – did you take any of that, what you learned from uh, Coach Chambers or even in college? So you went to University of Arizona. Um, yep. I, I do want to point out that for those that live in the Vegas area, when you went to Bishop Gorman, that was the old Bishop Gorman, not the yep. new Bishop Gorman. So what's the difference there for people that don't know about that? Well, so the, the old Bishop Gorman, um, obviously it was on Maryland Parkway, um, very, very small. We had no facilities on campus. Uh, our football team played at the Silver Bowl. Uh, we played at Hadland Park. And for people that are familiar with the Las Vegas area, Hadland Park is not the nicest area. <laughs> And uh, I, I got a quick story about that one, which is funny because this is, you know, it's, I think it's hard for kids to imagine this, but I remember when I played at Bonanza, we went to Bishop Gorman to go play, or we went to Haviland Park to go play Bishop Gorman. And our coach told, everyone, told the bus driver we all had to ride home. So the bus driver takes off. Well, there's three of us that are left behind. And I'm like, okay, this is not a good spot to be in. Uh, so they had a payphone, you know, which is crazy. They had a, they had a payphone at, like right by the field. That I had to put my quarter in, uh, call my mom, and I was like, hey, uh, the bus driver left us 
uh, you're the only number I know, uh, this no cell phones. Um, can you come get me? And she was like, I don't know where Headland Park is. Right. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, I don't know how to describe it to you either. And there's no GPS. So then I, I remember having to call my dad at the time and I was like, hey, uh, we got left. Can you, uh, can you come pick the three of us up and, and get us back, back home? So, um, but yeah, Headland Park is a, is a different, different area. Yeah, I mean, it's known for, like, there's some, so it's kind of a, it's a park, and then across the street, there's apartments. I mean, there's, I, I know for a fact for myself, I heard gunshots um, oh, yeah. at some point. Uh, Josh Towers told a story on uh, this the show, if you, when he was around Oxnard, around his junior college, and he would heard gunshots around his spot. Um, but yeah, you're talking about a bad part of Vegas that I know scouts have stories that, oh, I got to go to Hamlin Park, so. I think sometimes they would try to catch Gorman on the road. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that probably would have been the smart thing. And, and yeah, there, there was gunshots out there. I remember um, they, they would play adult league out there on Sundays. And so uh, I used to go and drag and line the fields for them on, on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd find homeless people in the dugout. Um, you know, and I'm, again, I'm 16 years old and I'm trying to tell people to get out of the dugout. Yeah. Uh, just not a very comforting feeling. Um, but yeah, definitely not one of the nicer areas. Um, you know, not, not what you associate Bishop Moore with now, uh, for sure. Uh, but, but again, it made for some good stories, got out unscathed. So, um, but, but definitely, uh, definitely interesting. It's some yeah. nostalgia for sure. Absolutely. So you, uh, after high school, Bishop Gorman, you go to the University of Arizona. What was your experience like over there? You know, and, and, kind of addressing the question with Coach Chambers and what I took from him, especially when I got to college. I mean, one, <laughs> again, I put, it was a weird situation. I showed up to college about two weeks late because I was, I was still playing Legion and we were in the West, Western Regional Championship at the time. Or West, and, uh, and so we lost that and then I had to go to school and I was two weeks late and I actually roomed with uh, A.C. Smith, who's a teammate of yours. Um, and I got there and I was lost immediately. I had no idea, you know, what was going on. Like, it was like, all I knew is I had 8 a.m. Spanish and I had to be there. Um, and I, I got into Spanish, didn't have any of my books, and then kind of figured it out. And I, and I kind of got my feet wet. But I, I made so many mistakes, though. Because, you know, back then at U of A, you know, when their field was on campus, there was a tradition that you left McHale Center and you went to the left field corner where the, the, the gate was to get into the field, and then you jogged in from left field to the first base yeah. dugout was our dugout. So um, I finally got cleared, finally got a physical. I get there, I'm running behind, and I get on the field. Well, I walked all the way from left field to the dugout. <laughs> Seniors are just destroying me. Right. And I'm like so scared. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. Like every mistake you can make, I am making 100%. Um, but I, I think, you know, what Coach Chambers gave me a little bit was some of that mental toughness. And I could actually, I can take it, you know, the guys wearing on me are, are making mistakes and, and kind of learning how to bounce back a little bit. I, I think physically I could do it. Mentally at times I can do it. Um, but then it was like, you know, my freshman year, I wasn't very good. Um, and, and I walked in and I thought, you know, getting there, seeing some other freshmen, I compared with them on our team. You know, I was going to pitch, you know, pitch, you know, a decent amount of innings. I was going to hit a little bit. Um, and then, you know, I remember 
you know, my first outing, uh, I was okay. And I remember starting my first collegiate game was against the Cal State Dominguez Hills, which is a Division II school. And another freshman started against them on a Tuesday. I was starting Wednesday, and he kind of dominated them. I mean, mm. and I was like, and I remember him telling me, I'll never forget this, like, oh, with your fastball and curveball, you'll dominate. No big deal. I was like, okay. I went through three innings. I think I gave up like nine hits and like five runs. I just got smoked all around the yard. And I was like, man, I started to kind of doubt myself. I was like, am I good enough to be here? I'm like, I just got beat up by a division two, you know, school. Um, am I really good enough? And, and I went back and forth and, and I'll never forget. I, I came in relief uh, at Cal state Fullerton and bases loaded. It was like the fifth inning. Uh, Mark Kotze is coming to the plate. And I, and I remember seeing him play at UNLV the year before and he was golden spikes winner. You know, everybody's all American best player in the country. And I was like, um, first pitch through a hanging breaking ball. And I, I put my head down. I was like, that's a bomb. <laughs> somehow he missed it and popped it up. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. You got so, him out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I walked away thinking, yeah, I'm really good now. Um, yeah. But I struggled. I went back and forth. I think I had like a 90 RA. You know, I hit all right. And I went to Cape Cod, um, you know, that summer. And, and I think that was really a big turning point for me in my, my playing career. Because uh, I got up there. I was throwing the ball decently well, um, you know, wasn't hitting a lot, but really, I was really majority, majority of pitcher. But um, I remember my roommate, he came from Cal Berkeley, his name was Keith Evans. And I started talking to him like, hey, man, like, like, I watch you, you're, you're really confident. And I was like, don't take this the wrong way, but you got average stuff. I was like, you're, you're 88 to 90, uh, pretty good breaking ball, pretty good change up. Um, you know, you're six foot six, but like you dominate you know, you, you carve through these lineups and, and he's the one that turned me on to the mental game of baseball. And so I read that book that summer. And when I, when I came back, I, I just had a different mindset because my freshman year, if a guy got on second base or even first base for that matter, I felt like just stepping off and throwing the ball into the gap and like saying, just score, go ahead, get it over. <laughs> uh, where I started to kind of change and I had a different mindset and, and different mentality on the mound. And yeah, I went from a nine ERA my freshman year to three ERA my sophomore year, you know, in the era of minus five bats. Um, and, and, but a lot of it was, it, it wasn't a physical thing. Physically, I didn't get much, I didn't change much, but the mentality of what I did was a complete 180. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's where I kind of find that in, in talking to high school athletes and, and even into college, they haven't really dabbled yet much with, just reading a book, the mental game of baseball, right. And, and kind of opening up their mindset. And I think it's because of a few things, but I think they're just, they're not aware yet of how important it is. So they, they're kind of just skating along and they're trying to just get by with their physical ability until they've kind of, until the crap kind of hits the fan. And they're like, yeah. like you said, I had some, I got beat around a little bit. So now I'm doubting myself. Now I'm doubting. I, I don't, maybe I don't belong here if I don't change something or do something, I might not be here very long. Right. So you made that decision. Was that your decision to go get that book in this example? Or did someone say, Hey, maybe you should try this. Yeah. That was, that was my roommate, uh, Keith that summer. Yeah. He, okay. he, you know, he, he's the one that handed it to me. I, I never heard about it, you know, and, and again, I mean, we can talk back then dial up internet, you know, and it wasn't yeah. like you just look up things and, you know, didn't have a cell phone. I can just like, hey, mental, mental baseball books. Like, let's find yeah, something. You had to go to a bookstore. 
Right. You know, you had to learn how to use the library, you know, you had yeah. to, you know, and then you had to go to the bookstore and know where you wanted to go and what you're trying to find. Um, you know, but yeah, I never had dabbled in it much. And, and I, and I think from a lot of very good high school players, you know, good ones, great ones, whatever, you don't fail much. You, yeah. you really don't. Yeah. And so now when you get to a point when you start failing and it becomes repetitive, I mean, you might fail a little bit in high school, a little here and there. But when you start getting a repetitive failure and you don't have one leg to stand on and your mind starts spinning and your mind, your mind's going to take you in a negative way, you know, and, and, and I don't know if positivity actually gets you out of those situations either. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think about, you know, you got to be a little bit more, I've been, you know, reading a lot, a lot on this guy, Trevor Moad and just read his book and listened to a few podcasts and, and how he says it, I think is a great way to term it is be more neutral and, you know, and be, be where you're at, you know, be a little bit analytical uh, and try and figure out what do you need to do to help solve these problems, you know, because, and I mentioned it, you know, earlier, but when you don't have routine and you got nothing to stand on, well, you're going to get different results every day. And, and unfortunately, if you're, if, if you can't get to the point where you, you feel like you can be competitive, you're, you're in a bad spot. You're mm-hmm. in a really bad spot because you're, you're hoping to have a good day instead of, you know, knowing you're going to walk in and, and do what you need to do. Do you find that with your freshmen, uh, unless you're teaching it right away about having a routine, whether it's, you know, the routine of simply getting up in the morning, what you're doing in your dorm, or I guess you don't have dorms, but at your, your apartment, all the way from class, all the way to the field, do they, you guys set that up as a, as a coaching staff or you kind of just, okay, this is what you should do. Like, how does that work for you guys? Yeah, so that's a big part for for at least what we do in our program. Um, so like every Friday we'll have like a meeting. We'll, we'll go into a classroom and we'll do some mental stuff and and some concentration grids and, and stuff like that and talk about certain things and and play some videos and and talk about it a little bit. But really, what they they don't understand like I kind of am you know giving them routine without them understanding it yet. I'm mm-hmm. kind of just throwing it in their head. So we'll have like what I'll do is we'll have a daily like a weekly challenge. Like, so we'll have 12, you know, and, and it goes about 12 weeks and it's just one thing. So yeah. first week when they're here, first week that they're doing the, the challenge is to make their bed. Okay. Just make their bed. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, you know, we'll, we'll progress from there to, Hey, every time I ask someone asks you how you're doing today, you're going to tell me you're outstanding. I was like, yeah, not no just, other choice. Not just okay. Yep. Not just okay. <laughs> Which I, I think we say it a ton. Uh, or I say it a ton, but, um, but then I'll even negative teach them too. There, there'll be some weeks that like, Hey, you know, for, for this week, you know, when anyone asks how you're doing, I want you to tell me you're, you're doing terrible. Okay. And, and tell me how your mindset is when you're going out to practice. Tell me how that, how that's affecting you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll, I'll try and get them the other way to, so they can start to see the difference between the two and what's going on. Um, you know, said I, I try and subconsciously set that up for them in routine because I never forget this when I was a young coach um, and I first started this thing and, and, and going through it and practice. I mean, practice was practice. We, we, we regimented routine. This is what we did. And we did it. And guys are like, this is boring. Yeah. I was like, like, Hey, yeah, I get it. I get it. It's boring, but it's your foundation. Mm-hmm. I was like, that, that's what you don't understand. It's your foundation. You can't come out here and just like, you know, take, you know, try and hit bomb rounds uh, today and try and just make diving plays all over the field. I was like, 
no, you, you got to have your foundation, you got to have your routine, you got to have structure because that's what prepares you, you know, for, for school, it prepares you for practice, what prepares you for games and what's going to prepare you for life in general. Um, you know, so their routines, typically it, it's very rare. We have a handful of that, that they're very, very good. Uh, but typically their routines are show up to the field and do whatever the coach tells me to do, but they don't have an understanding of what do I need to do to get myself ready. Yeah. And what do I, do I need to go work on some soft toss, some tee work, you know, or whatever that, you know, hitters are, I think can do a lot more extra work than maybe pitchers. Um, Cause pitchers are always involved with throwing, um, yeah. but also maybe they can do extra exercises like that. But now that's interesting. I, when people find or players find that, how this is boring, you know, from my understanding and studies that I've done, um, that's a big part of lack of focus and, and yeah. really paying attention to what you're doing. If you start getting bored, it's, it's you've lost focus on what you're just going through the motions. So you have to have something that gets you back into that mindset of, okay, focus for the next just five minutes on what I'm paying attention to, on what I'm doing. And you'll come out like, oh, wow, like five minutes isn't very long. Right. So it's it's interesting how the, all this stuff works. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, and I think some of that is, is you're starting to see that that's from the these club balls and tournaments and stuff like that. Hey, going to go play four games, five games on the weekend. Show up 45 minutes before the game. Stretch, throw a little bit. Let's let's get it on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's not that you know. And as you know, I mean, you get to pro ball. I mean, you got a seven o'clock game. There, there's days in there you're you're going to be in there at noon mm-hmm. you know, because you got to go and you you're like you might be a little bit sore and you got to go get treatment and you got to stretch stuff out. You got to get warm. You got to do these things, you know, all to get ready to go out for, for maybe you have some, a little bit of early work and then, then you got BP, you know, then, then, then you got a break and then, then the game time. And it's like, there's a lot that goes into it. And it's like, and I, and I think if you put guys in that setting, like professional baseball, you, you want to get ready for this, you know, that's boring. If you really want to really want to break it down, <laughs> that, that's, that's a really long extreme routine. Yeah. Um, you know, so they don't understand that yet. And that's what we're trying to get them to. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, you go on and then you spend a few years in Arizona and then you you get drafted. So tell us about your draft experience and what your, your, your pro ball experience was like. So, yeah, so I'll kind of tell you both experiences. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so my, my junior year, uh, I blow my elbow and I get drafted by the Red Sox. And, and for the people that know me best, Red Sox, I'm a huge Red Sox homer. Love the Red Sox, which is crazy because my dad grew up in New York and loved the Yankees, so just something to cheer against them about, I guess. Right. Um, but get dropped by the Red Sox. I, I'm, even though I'm hurt, I would love to sign with them. This is who I want to be with. You know, and uh, they don't call me until, I think it was like 25 days had passed and the draft, draft was already over. Wow. And, uh, I'll never forget, they, they call me and I'm talking to them and they're just like, hey, like, um, Rob, we drafted you. I was like, yeah, I know. Um, like about three weeks ago. ago. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and he's like, you know, what's it going to take for you to sign? And I said, well, you know, honestly, I, I'm, I'm, I'm injured right now. Um, it's probably going to take quite a bit, you know, back then quite a, quite a bit was a hundred thousand. Um, yeah. Yeah. you know, now it's like, you know, you, you know, you'd sign that in the 30th round. Um, but Hey, you know, just because I want some security. I don't want to get in there and you guys tell me I'm not healthy and you ship me back out. Uh, and he's like, all right, well, we'll send you draft consent card, see if we can pick you up next season. So I was like, 
all right. So that was a pretty <laughs> short conversation. Yeah, so I was like, good talk. And then, you know, fast forward the next year, I go back for my senior year at U of A, blow my elbow out again, uh, you know, done, have surgery. Um, and so I come back from my fifth year, and uh, there's a real, like a weird rule back then. I don't even know if it's still in existence, but as a fifth year senior, if you weren't drafted your fourth year, you could sign before the draft. So, you know, so I remember I, I found out about that rule. Um, so told every scout I'm done playing baseball, so I didn't get drafted, uh, which is funny to sound like I'm saying that. Um, and then, so fast forward, my, my fifth year goes okay, you know, at, at best. And, um, you know, I was able to, to negotiate with any team I wanted with before the draft and sign with them. So I ended up talking with uh, six different teams, you know, uh, it really came down to the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks at the time on who I was going to sign with, um, you know, and, uh, I, and I had some people in my ear because I, I came back, you know, and I was, I was throwing harder than I had before. And, and some people were telling me, wait for the draft, wait for the draft. And I was like, I was like, I just, you know, at this point I was like, I got no leverage. Uh, let me just pick maybe the best fit now at this point. So chose the Diamondbacks, um, you know, I, and it was great. I mean, I was in Tucson, spring training was in Tucson, didn't really have to pack up my stuff and move, uh, signed with them, headed over there, um, was there in extended spring, you know, still before the draft. So I was ready to go, uh, was there for a couple of weeks and then got sent out to the California League, um, which was a, a little bit of an eye-opening experience. I was in a high desert where the, you know, I think is probably a better place to hit than uh, Coors Field. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the, the wind blows out at about 30 miles an hour every day and never changes and never blows in, always blows out. Um, but it, it was definitely a learning experience for me. You know, I, I went down, I struggled. Uh, and then, you know, I got sent down at that point in time to go to Missoula, Montana in the short season A and um, really kind of started to find my, my groove and threw the ball really well up there. Um, and then I, I went to Instructs, um, which I was really excited about. I finally felt like I was really getting healthy, getting my feet underneath me. Um, went to Instructs and threw the ball great, threw, threw outstanding. Best I'd probably thrown in a couple of years. Um, you know, to where it's really going to jumpstart me to the next year going into spring training that I was, I was going to be with the double-A club in spring training. So, um, but the big thing they don't tell you is that when you have your off season, you know, and they're telling me I'm coming off surgery, don't throw, don't throw, don't throw, do these things. And, and, Probably for me, I still needed to throw. I needed to start my throwing program earlier. Uh, went to spring training, um, struggled. You know, uh, what wasn't great. I don't. I wasn't prepared. That was completely on me. I own that. Um, you know, and I go back to go back to a ball, um, and I'm having some good moments, some bad moments. Kind of, you know, up and down, just up and down. And then I get sent back. They send me back down to short season. Uh, so I could be a starter and get me out of the, the bullpen. And, and again, I throw the ball really well. About the last month of the season, throwing as well as I did as instructs, and it was great. Um, and then I came back for that, you know, my, my third year. And now at this point in time, it's kind of make or break it. You know, I, I'm, I'm 25 years old. Um, you know, I've got to start to kind of fast forward a little bit here. And uh, went out, threw the ball well early. Uh, didn't throw the ball well late, you know, got released. And, uh, and again, I, it's on me. I don't think my routine was, was great. I think I, I, I was one of those guys that if you told me to do something, I do it. I wanted to try it. I want to do these things. 
but I never have my foundation. What I, what I could always lean back on to get me back on track. And, and so it kind of threw me off and I struggled. And, uh, and it really wasn't until I went to independent ball because I got, I got done there. Um, next year I went, went to go to independent ball and I thought it was amazing for me. It ends up being probably best thing for me ever as a coach going into independent ball because there there's no organizational policies. There's no, there's no rules about that. I mean, it's, Hey, you want to pitch and stay here and keep a job, <laughs> figure it out, do yeah. it on your own. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, great. Uh, and the guys I played with were awesome. Um, and I really had a great experience, um, you know, there. And, and, you know, at the end, at the end of the day, you know, uh, my last start ever um, was in, was in Wisconsin. And uh, I'll never forget, I think it was like the fifth or sixth inning. The mound was really bad. Uh, no clay, no nothing. Um, and I remember I threw a pitch and I felt my knee pop. I'd already had some knee issues and I was like, mm -hmm. okay, felt my knee pop. And I was like, that, I was like, that didn't feel good. Um, that, that, that might be a game changer here. Something's wrong. Yeah. So I threw a couple more pitches, felt okay. And I was like, okay, so if I tore something, it's not completely torn. So uh, I knew as far as it sounds like in order for me to get surgery, I, I better blow this thing all the way out if I'm going to do this thing. So um, actually finished the game, pitch was fine. Um, you know, actually couldn't even walk up the bus at the end. I actually needed help to get up the, onto the bus. Um, and, and at the end of the day, I was, you know, going to be 26 years old. Um, and I was like, you know what, I got a college degree, uh, which I'm super thankful for. Um, I think I'm done. I, I think th this is going to be it. And, and uh, and that was kind of my waking moment. And but I, I think I learned so many lessons uh, going from going to independent ball and learning how to be myself. I think was the biggest thing. And I wasn't stuck in a. Uh, and, and I'm not saying this is bad, I'm, I was, but I wasn't stuck in a system. It was yeah. you got to figure it out on your own if you want to do this thing. And I and I think if there, I think that was the one of the best things that ever happened for me because I did it on my own and I wasn't part. No one forced me to do anything. I wanted to be successful. I wanted to, I wanted to go out and win. I still wanted to go out and be competitive. I still wanted someone to, to want me after this thing. Um, but I had to do it for myself. And I, I think that was a great learning experience for myself. Yeah, I think that's very key when it gets into those, you, you've been playing for a few years. And, and I think that's a, a point that should be made at any point. It should always be about, it's your career. Um, you do get caught up in systems on, you know, pitchers, I, I think talking to players and managers that have say managed like in the nineties or the two thousands. Um, now they're 20, 30 years older. They're like, yeah, we, we've seen things that have changed, you know, in regards to, yeah, we might have some type of approach to pitching, but also we got to let guys be themselves, you know, and, and we can teach them, uh, maybe give them a tweak here or there. Uh, maybe they, maybe some need major overhauls in the delivery, you know, or something like that, because they their results are not great anyway. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it is your career, and sometimes you don't feel comfortable doing something different. Um, and coaches used to take that like, well, he's not coachable, you know, he's right. not going to listen. I think they're a little bit more open to that now, um, where a coach can actually, I get, I, if I was a coach and I told you something, you could take that in. See if it works, see if it doesn't. If it doesn't, then you just throw it out the window. You know, whereas back in the day, they would say, you either do it my way or you're out of here. You know, we, we used to see that a lot. So oh, yeah. that, that, that's cool that 
I, I played independent ball one year too, and that was one of the funnest experiences that I've ever had. You know, you just you just kind of finally relax a little bit. You just go out and do it. Um, you enjoy your your coaches and your players and the the fans. And you're a little more interactive. It's just more laid back, and it's it's something interesting about that, isn't there? There, there is, and I think some of it is like there's not a level above you. You know, you're not you're not trying to get to the next level. You're not trying to take someone else. It's like I'm just here to play. You know, I'm here to play. Um, you know, and. And I think you, it depends on how you look at your career. I mean, I will say when I was there and I saw some of the younger guys that were like fresh out of college and they didn't get a chance to go into a, an organization and got there, they were a little bit lost. I mean, they were, yeah. you know, it was definitely different. I, I think you saw the guys that came back from organizations that were like, okay, I have a little bit different focus than, than <laughs> my guy that's just coming out of, you know, college right now. Um, but I agree. I think, I think it was just a great experience. Our, our coaches were laid back. You know, they would give you some suggestions, you know, and, and I think that's, I think that's where the game of baseball has really changed. And, and I agree with you 100%. Like, back in the day, it was like, you know, you, you had your bonus babies, like, don't, don't talk to them. You know, they, you know, we're gonna, we'll do what we need to do with them. And, and some of the other guys, it was like, I remember when I was with the Diamondbacks, it was, we fell in love with Young Young Kim. And then all yeah. of a sudden, it was me, Javi Lopez, and another guy. We're all, all left-handed. We all became side armors for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, it, obviously, it was great for Javi. It, it worked out wonders for him. Had a long career in the big leagues. It was awesome. Great athlete. Uh, you know, I started to do it. And I was like, oh, like, <laughs> this ain't going to work. I'm like, this isn't going to be good, man. <laughs> like, I, I, need to, I, I probably need to figure something out. Right. Um, you know, so, you know, but those things happen. And now, nowadays, with, with some of the adjustments, because back then, it was all, all done by your eye. You know, whatever you felt yeah. like, you know, and now, you know, you have your analytics and you have, you know, your track man systems and, you know, your rap sodos and blast and all these things where technically you can really key on what is actually wrong, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. which, which I think is great. Yeah. It's a, uh, I had Brett Harrison on here with PBR and he was talking about rap soto and track man and blast and yeah. And it, it's just interesting how you can actually get feedback right away now, um, which I think is a player can be really good, but then you can also, um, you know, you know, kind of be paralyzed as well by the information if you overdo it. So that you got to kind of find it again, that's probably an individual thing. Um, some, some guys can really take all that information in and apply it to the actual game. And then some will be like, well, that's, that's just too much information. Like I just, I want to focus on getting this guy out or executing this pitch, you know, as an example. Yeah, you know, and we're we're pretty fortunate. We we do have a rap soto, and we have some blast units and things like that. Um, and the good thing of this pandemic is, there, obviously, there's been a lot of pro guys that are out here. They're they're trying to do live abs and stuff like that. And, and I've got a handful handful of guys that are in pro ball that are, are still here. Um, but I was able to take my rap soto out with them almost every day and really start to discuss things with them and really dive into rap soto quite a bit with them on the pitching side. And understanding that so it was really great for me to to be able to coach coach it better right as opposed to like hey like here's your numbers compared to major leaguers and it's like no it's not what we're, not what we're here to do it's you know we're just here to kind of tighten some things up you know and figure out hey you know your fastball like you know you got a ton of gyro spin on your forcing fastball that shouldn't be happening so there's a flaw in your flaw in your delivery we got to we got to get you on time yeah so you know those things have been been great for for me to see and use and and 
you know, I, I try to use some old school with new school type mentality when it comes to those things. But I absolutely agree. I, I have some guys that I won't show them the information or all of it because they're going to go down the rabbit hole big time. Yeah. And every pitch is, you know, live, you know, they live and die on every pitch. And why is this wrong? And why is that? And, and I try to explain to them, it's like, hey, like, you know, the best athletes in the world, the best athletes on the mound in the world only repeat their delivery about 40% of the time. Mm -hmm. not, not every that pitch is going to be identical. Yeah. Like you got to be willing to be flexible, right? And kind of, I guess, malleable, whatever that word is. But uh, being able to, like, if you're expecting 90 to 100%, you're going to repeat your delivery as a pitcher every time or take that exact perfect swing as a hitter. Like <laughs> this game is just not, it's not the game for that. You know, no. it's just not going to happen. No. It, it, it's been said since the 1800s. The game's built on failure. And it's just how are you, how are you going to react to how are you going to react and adapt to failure? Yeah. Um, and, and and if guys would take it in better, like it's something I I didn't learn to take in failure until I was probably I don't know mid twenties almost yeah. you know twenty two twenty five ish in understanding failure and that it taught me so much more than actually my successes. You know, my I learned more way more from my mistakes than right. any of my successes for sure. You know. My failures just pointed out a flaw that I had. I was like, okay, yeah. now I need to work on this. And I, and I think that's why failure is is actually a good thing, right? We, we really only learn through failure. When you're, things are going great and you're doing awesome, you're like, yeah. And, and maybe your confidence is at a certain level. But when you fail and then you start to kind of put pieces together on, okay, I, I need to work in this certain area and start to focus on that part of the game. And then you start to maybe raise that baseline you know, and start raising that failure up to kind of catch up. It's interesting how your game starts to improve. And obviously a long that comes is a, in a way of confidence comes with that of you're getting those results that you've always wanted. Right. But now it's, you're, you're starting to back it up with, I guess, more consistency. Right. Right. And, and, and I think, you know, with this game, you know, and obviously the day and age we're in with, you know, kids are following their numbers, you know, they see their batting average and it's in front of them all the time. And it's like, how do I sustain this? How do I do this? And, uh, and I'll never forget, I had a guy, a really good player for us, um, but he had a game, he was three for four with, it was like a bomb, two doubles and a guy robbed a homer on him. And he was, and I was like, hey, good, good job today. And he's like, oh man, he's like, but how do, how do, how do I sustain this? How do we do this tomorrow? I was like, just keep swinging at strikes. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I was like, it's simple as that. Like, don't know. It's nothing. I was like, you had a great game. Yeah. I was like, swing strikes, put the ball in the barrel. That's all. That's all you can do. Yeah. That's that's all you literally can do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's you know, and guys, guys, we all know guys like that. Yeah, it's uh, those those high, you could say those high expectations. You know that we, you place upon yourself, and then how am I supposed to go five for five again today? You know, I did that tomorrow. I'm like, highly more than likely you're not going to go five for five. Today. <laughs> you know, you, you might go zero for five with five strikeouts, you know? So that's just, uh, that's what's crazy about this game and this sport. And um, well, this has been great, Rob. This is uh, exactly what I was looking forward to with you and having the experience of, you know, opponents as, as we battled out in high school Right. Um, had an interesting career in college, a lot of adversity with injuries, and you've transitioned that into coaching. Um, 
any, I guess, last words, any, uh, you know, nuggets of wisdom you have for us for any uh, high school, college, it's really anybody. You know, I, I think, I think one thing, I, you know, one thing that I, I want to point out to high school athletes for sure. I mean, obviously one, you know, dive into the mental game because it's the, it's the part of the game that's worked on the least and it's the part of the game that's going to help you the most uh, and it's going to keep you sane. Uh, and, and I think on the recruiting perspective and, and that, because I, th I think it's huge in high school right now because right, you're starting to see early sports specialization in baseball, which I'm not a fan of, you know, I, I, you know because, you know, parents and kids, they're, they're concerned. They need to start being recruited by colleges in eighth grade, ninth grade, and, and be committed by eighth, ninth, and tenth grade. And that when they're after their sophomore year and they're not committed to a major four-year four university, that you know they're going to settle on something or their career is done or things like that. And, and that's one option why junior college is great. But I think I think what what kids need to understand and parents need to understand is, you know, don't don't just specialize in them. You know, in in one sport. You know, especially when they're 12, 13, 14 years old, let them play other sports. Let them do some things. Let let them be, learn to become athletic and play other things and do certain things. And um, you know, and, and don't just inundate them like, hey, you know, we're getting you, we're we're sending you to drive line, we're sending you to the pitching ranch, we're sending you this because you know, you know, we need you to you know be 90 by the time you're 15 years old, uh, so you can get you know your college paid for. Uh, you know, I, I people need to slow down on this a little bit, and yeah. I, and I and I think colleges need to slow down on a little bit too. You know, my. I would love for them if they're going to offer an eighth grader that they got to sign a letter of intent right down the spot. And I, I agree hundred percent. You know, it, uh, it's, it's frustrating. Um, that, that, that to, to this day in 2020, that that is still allowed, you know, from a baseball perspective, because, you know, football, you know, these other sports may be different, but with baseball and just a lack of scholarships and, and I'm, I'm seeing some different things happening online with different folks that are just starting to get more aware of this. And um, I mean, cause we have, we know of schools that just, they recruit way more than they, they have uh, kids end up on campus in the fall, things don't go well for them and they got to cut 20 kids, you know, yeah. and, and you thought since you're, you were ninth or 10th grade, cause you committed to this school that you were going to be there for three or four years. And Obviously, that happens for some, but it, a lot of them that they end up just not even being a, even a part of that program, and now they're they're not sure what to do. So it, it's a kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because they mm -hmm. you feel like you're getting left out. You kind of got that FOMO, but it's also like, dude, like you're not even shaving yet. You know, you're <laughs> right. It's like, what what, what are we doing? Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Just, just so for parents and kids out there, hey you know, slow down, you know, if you're good enough, they're going to find you. Uh, there's going to be opportunities for you down the road uh, and, and go find, find the right fit for you. You know, find the right fit for you. Don't, don't chase the name. The name might not be the right fit, you know, find the right fit for you. Even if it is at a junior college for, for a year or two and you end up at a, at a major university, even if it's a great division two, division three program, NAI program, even if it's any of those things, if it's the right fit and gives you the opportunity to get your, you know, your education paid for, maybe a, a potential opportunity to get into professional baseball if you're good enough, things like that, you know, find, find yourself the fit and really enjoy what you're doing. Enjoy yeah. playing high school baseball. Enjoy, enjoy being, being out there with your friends and competing and do those things. Don't go out there to play for a scholarship. It, it's just, 
you're going to go crazy. And, mm -hmm. and if you are just going out there to try and play for a scholarship, you really need to get into the mental side of, of, of athletics. Love it, man. That's awesome stuff. Well, dude, I know you got to get back to work. You got some AD work to do. Uh, uh, got to get kids back in online class. <laughs> but I really appreciate your time. This has been outstanding. And I, I want to I thank you for coming on board. It's been great. Yeah, Chad, I really appreciate it. You know, this, this is awesome. This is a great, you know, separator for me because right now I can't really do much on the field. So this is awesome. I really appreciate the time. Uh, really cherish our friendship over the last 20 some odd years. Um, and just look forward to, to doing this more and, and seeing you around more often. And, uh, and for you now, coaching one of my – or uh, sports psychology coach in Northern Colorado with one of my former players, Josh Glenn. So there you I'm go. There you go. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thanks, thanks for coming on board. Absolutely. Hey, guys, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Rob Shabansky. Rob's an amazing dude. He's doing an awesome job at Gateway Community College. Of course, we wish him continued success and our friendship continuing to develop over the years. If you are looking to get some more work on your mental game, make sure you visit my website at mentaledgetoday.com. This is where I put my Mental Edge video ball together for you. I have 40 plus videos for you to learn the mental game and for you to also get onto my bi-weekly live Q&A calls with me personally to ask any question you want. So hope to see you there. So go to mentaledgetoday.com and I will see you in the next episode. Take care.